Welcome to the Well Ministry Podcast, where we want to help you understand the Bible. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Nathan Walter. All right, so today, last week, we talked about this. We're going to get into, uh, we kind of, kind of went through the Lord's Prayer um, and kind of, we didn't skip over it. I just kind of read it and didn't give it much attention. Um, but today, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're, we're only going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at what is happening here. Um, and I actually was going to read it out of my Bible, and it's missing a whole line that I memorized, and so I didn't like that one. Uh, so I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version, and it says, and Jesus says, pray like this. This is the way you are to pray. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I learned it forever and ever. I think just to like accentuate it, maybe that was my mom just driving it home. Um, so I do want to point out, as we talk about this prayer, um, that Jesus, because I kind of last week I said, and what, what Aaron did was evil, he prayed in public. Jesus is not against public prayer. We see him pray several times. He blesses the food when he's feeding the 5,000. Um, and then uh, before he raises Lazarus to the dead, he prays, and this happens in John eleven forty one. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. See, so Jesus also prayed aloud for the benefit of people to hear, right? So when you're praying like, Lord, and I just pray that you would help us make wise decisions, and you're, you know, and you're kind of thinking for the person next, that's biblical, okay? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But I think another thing that's important to say is Jesus says, this is how you should pray. He doesn't say, this is what you should pray, okay? And I'm not, I'm not um, like speaking negatively about the Lord's Prayer in any way. But I've come across the other day, you would not believe this, I came across a conversation on the radio, Okay, and it was just, I don't know how it happened. Uh, I guess I had the radio on when I turned my car on and I heard, I never listened to the radio um, except XL 106.7. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, and there was this conversation and this guy was saying, um, we should only pray the Lord's Prayer. That the only prayer we should ever say is the Lord's Prayer. And maybe that, that works for him, but I do feel like we talked about the dangers and what had happened and what Jesus was talking about is that the Jews had these like pre-written prayers that they would just say throughout the day. They had 18 different prayers they would say. And so it kind of led to people just kind of reciting things they'd memorized and the words kind of lost meaning. Now, definitely you should learn to pray the Lord's Prayer memorize the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes pray the Lord's Prayer. That's perfectly fine. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying I don't believe that this is, that's the only prayer we should pray, and that should be our only conversation with God, because Jesus doesn't say this is what you should pray. He says this is how you should pray. You should pray like this, okay? So what he's giving us is a model for prayer, okay? So let's, we're going to look at this model, um, but before we do, I want to step back from it for one minute, because I know, you know, we talked about recitation and just saying words that we, we often don't, like, they, there's no meaning to it. I know that when I memorized this prayer, it probably didn't hold much meaning, uh, obviously, because I was a kid, and I'm like, what's hollow? I don't know what I mean. I was saying, like, hollow, we want his name to be hollow, like, like, to have a little ring to it. Like, 
so we, I want to take a step back from it. And I, and I think where we kind of lose the meaning and the significance of the words, I mean, we lose the significance of the words in the very first few words where he says, our father. Because not all Christians pray with an attitude and you can forget that he is a father. And unfortunately, because of the world that we live in, I think the absence of fathers in many people's lives, even the absence of fathers who are present in the home, and this isn't the way everyone is, but because people have experienced this, they may not understand the relationship there, what it's supposed to be when they're speaking to a father. It's lost on us as a society. And I think, I think really that's kind of where this whole like mother thing came from, is, 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 is like, we, you know, father, we don't understand that. We don't understand what that's supposed to be. But it is a deep and strong relationship with someone who cares deeply about what happens to you, cares deeply about your life and is present in your everyday Okay, in the ancient world, just using the word father, in the ancient world, they believed in so many different gods. In almost all other ancient cultures, they believed in gods of earth, fire, wind, water, and heart. And when they came together, they formed Captain Planet, who saved the earth. I'm just kidding, that's an old show, I'm dating myself. That poor kid who had the power of heart. Everyone else was shooting wind and water and fire, and like, but he just was like, heart! And you were like, do we need this guy? I don't know. I don't know if we need this guy. Um, but there were, there were gods for every single thing. Um, and the gods were cruel. Their gods were cruel. They didn't care one bit for humans. Humans were always trying to curry their favor by doing things for them. And, ju and just as an example, in, in Greek culture, there's uh, Prometheus, um, and he gave the gift of fire to humans. And because he gave the gift of fire to humans, Zeus was so mad that he chained him up because he helped humans. They never really wanted to help humans unless it like benefited them in a battle against another god. That was their relationship. That's how they saw relationship with the gods. And this is, this is true today. If you look at other religions, in Islam, God is not a loving God. You curry his favor. You please him. He, he, is, he, is, not, he is not in a relationship with you, okay? But Jesus says, when you pray to God, call him Father, and even for those of us who like understand father, like we don't say the word father often. When it does, it kind of sounds formal. Like if my kids called me father, I'd be like, what are you asking for? What's happening? Like you don't call me father. We, we say dad. But, but in Israel, the word they use for father, which is Abba or Abba, actually is the same thing. And you can actually, when you go to Israel, you can hear kids being like, Abba, Abba, I want to get that. Abba, Abba, can I do? You know, I'm just kidding. But and they use the very word that Jesus says to call God. They use that same word for their dad or their father. Okay? So this opening line, we aren't talking to a hostile God who doesn't care, who we're trying to please. We're talking to a heavenly father who loves us, who watches over us. And that first word should settle us down and calm our nerves. Father. Our father. But we're not talking, notice what I did there, we're not talking to my father, 
He doesn't say to say, my father, or just father. He says to say, our father. And this line reminds us not only of our relationship to God, but our relationship with each other under God as brothers and sisters in Christ. It reminds us, it gives us a, a proper perspective of our relationship to God as Father, and it gives us a good perspective of our relationship with each other as brothers and sisters. He is our Father. And we can't forget that, because when we're praying, sometimes we, we might be praying for something for us, and someone else in the family of God has hurt us, and we forget he's their Father too, right? And he loves them and cares for them too. Sometimes we don't understand why, right? But he does. And so we have to remember our father, but that's not the entire line. That's right. We can go all day. <laughs> our father who is in heaven. Our father who is in heaven. It adds yet another element to this line. He is our father in heaven. He's set apart. He's holy. This line attaches the love of God in our Father, with the power of God, who aren't in heaven. This isn't just your normal, everyday, loving Father. This is a loving fa Father with the power to answer prayer, with the power to move on our behalf. He is our Father who is in heaven. And it shows us, man, he's got the power to do something. He's our, fa he's our Father, and he has the power to act on our behalf. And the way that he moves and the things that he does, in all things we can trust him because there is a motivation there as our father for our good. And it's easier to trust power in the hands of one who loves us. It's far easier to trust in a power of someone who loves us. And then the prayer after that, our father who art in heaven, it begins with three different petitions that have to do with God that his name would be holy on their lips, that his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So those are the three things. It gets a little confusing, right? The three things are that his name would be holy, hallowed be thy name, and that his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done. And there's a reason it begins with these three petitions, because it's saying, first and foremost, before I ask for my will to be done, I'm acknowledging that first and foremost, I want your will to be done. I am seeking these things in your name, but if it doesn't go along with what you want, I want what you want first. Let that come first and foremost. And when we do this, he's given his proper place in our lives and in our prayers. He is given priority in our prayers. And honestly, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, this is the part we skip over in our prayers, at putting him first. We immediately go into what we need, right? Just like kids. He's our father. Just like kids. We immediately go into what we need. But we have to remember to place him first and foremost. And, and this is a reminder. If we, when we pray like this, with this model, it's a reminder in the very beginning that we're not trying to bend his will to our will. We are trying to bend our will to his will. And the first part of that, we say, hallowed be thy name, or let your name be holy. Hallowed means to treat as holy. Let your name be treated differently 
than any other name. But this isn't just like the name of God. May your name be treated holy. I know that's what they're saying, but in Hebrew, when they're speaking of names, they're not just talking about titles. They're talking about everything that that person is, everything that they are, their character, their personality, the nature of that person, all that they are, their name is all of those things. It is, when someone says, let your name be holy, let your name be set apart, they're saying, may all that you are, your character, your personality, every part of you, your holiness, your nature, may, may it be treated as holy. And this means throughout the Bible, so anytime you can go through and actually read the Bible and see when they're talking about the name of God and look at it this way and it brings deeper meaning. Like in Psalm 910, it says, those who know your name trust in you. Those who know your name trust in you. And this just isn't like those who know the name of God. I mean, how many people in our world know the name of God, but don't put their trust in God, right? That just seems like a false statement. Those who know your name trust in you. That's not always true. But this means those who know who you are put their trust in you. Those who know your nature, those who know your character, those who know your personality, those who truly know you, trust you. And this is true. This is why we have to get in the word. It's not about just being, being saved. Like we increase our faith as we increase our trust. And the way that we do that is by knowing him more. Because the more that we know of him and the more we know about him, the more we come to trust him and put our faith in him because we realize who he is. And the more we get into our word, into the Bible, the more we worship, the more we, re the more we walk with him, the more we're realizing who he is and the more we realize he is trustworthy and we can trust him. We can put our faith in him and we can pray and actually believe that he cares for us. May his name be holy. And may we know his name like that so we can put our trust in him. May his name be lifted high in all the earth. May you be lifted high in all the earth, Lord. May your name be holy. May I treat you as holy. Man, this prayer, we can stop right here. This is the prayer that needs to be on our lips right now. May I treat you as holy. May your name be hallowed on my lips. And may I know beyond just your name, but your character and your personality and all that you are. Show me all that you are. And then may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom, Jesus is constantly, constantly in the New Testament talking about the kingdom of God. Constantly. Luke 17, 20, he says, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's in your midst. It's already here. And the kingdom of God is where God's will is perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven. To be in the kingdom of God is to obey the will of God. It consists of people of all nations who submit their will and their heart and their desires, their lives, to do as Jesus instructed. And that's not always easy to do, to do as Jesus instructed, which is why we have to pray it. We have to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come. It's already here. How do we access it? How do we make earth as it is in heaven? We have to obey him. So we have to, we have to pray, Lord, bring your kingdom to earth through me. Bring your kingdom to earth through me today and all my actions and all my words and everything I do.
bring your kingdom to earth in me. And But sometimes, I mean, we may pray this, but, but we may not mean it. Sometimes we pray it out of resignation. Have you ever heard someone like, well, God's will is going to be done. God's will is going to be done anyway. We can pray whatever. God's will is going to be done. And then and it can even have like a tone of bitterness to it. But when we pray, your will be done, we're trusting all things into the hands of God, whom we trust. We trust in his name, who he is. We trust that he loves us. We trust that he's powerful enough to move and that his motivations are love for us and for the good of all those who love the Lord. So we pray your will be done, knowing that we are praying for the best possible. When we're praying for his will to be done, we are praying for the best possible outcome, which may not be in line with what follows and what we are asking. But his will come first. And then the second part of the prayer addresses our needs. But it doesn't just address our daily needs. It addresses this prayer. This prayer is so cool. I love this prayer. It addresses our past, present, and our future. We're asking for daily bread. That addresses what we need today, right? It says it with daily bread, right? It's asking for something in the present, our daily bread. I'm asking for something in the present. When I'm asking for forgiveness, it brings the past into the presence of God and addresses past actions against us. And then we say, lead us not into temptation. We're referencing what is to come. We are praying over our past, present, and future. We are asking God's presence and provision for the past, present, and future. But also, when we ask for bread, this brings to mind the Creator. God, the Father, who created all things. When we ask for forgiveness, it brings to mind his Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins that we might be forgiven. And when we bring to mind, lead us, when, we, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, it brings to mind the Holy Spirit, who was sent to be our helper, to lead us and guide us. This prayer is all-encompassing. Well, let's look a little closer at each line. Give us today our daily bread. And it's actually kind of funny. I mean, and it kind of gets like this when you read commentaries. Um, there's a lot of debate over what Jesus means by this. Give us today our daily bread. It's very confusing. I'm sure the people heard this and they were like, what does that even mean? I don't understand. And I definitely think we can overthink things. Okay, and so I'm not going to tell you what a lot of people think because they may be scholars, but in my opinion, they're idiots and they've overthought it. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you the ones that I <laughs> agree with. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because man, you can get into these like people sometimes like, hey, what commentary you're reading? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you um, because then you'll be as smart as me and we can't have that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I say, I, I'm not going to tell you because it actually has a lot of information that I don't like because you're getting the opinion of one person. And you can read a lot of different commentaries and they, they can disagree or they, and some of it, you're just like, I don't even know how this person walked this here. I don't even see how. And so it can be more confusing than it can, than it can explain to you truth, okay? Um, so I'm gonna tell you the things that I think God means by this, okay? So one, asking, get this, this is nuts. Asking for physical bread for the day. 
write it down, jot it down if you're taking notes. That's going to be hard to memorize one. Um, asking for physical bread to eat so that you're not hungry, okay? And this brings to mind God providing manna in the desert for the Israelites. If you remember, they were only to gather enough for the day. And that's trusting everything into his care. We're not worrying, just like it says in the scripture, they're not worrying about tomorrow. That, that bread is not going to last till tomorrow. I almost said that bread ain't going to last till tomorrow, but I get a lot of grief at home when I say ain't. Um, it's North Carolina coming back. All right. <laughs> I think when we were up there for a little bit too, I started being like, hey, what you doing over there? I'm going to get that. Well, um, it doesn't get that bad, but um, this is trusting everything to his care. Just like they had to do. We're not worrying about tomorrow. We're just gathering enough bread for the day. We're trusting that you're going to take care of tomorrow just like you took care of today. We're going to trust that you will provide for all of our needs. And the thing I like about this prayer, this part of the prayer, is that it shows that God actually cares about our physical bodies. Because we can sometimes get so spiritual, it's like, well, God just cares about my spirit. He doesn't really care about my physical body. And actually, some, some time, they've gone in offshoots of, of Christianity to being like, we can do whatever to our bodies because it just matters with my spirit. But that's not true. We see that God cares for our physical bodies. He says to treat it as a temple of the living God. And also, we see Jesus feed people. He cares for their hunger. He doesn't send them home. He cares for their hunger, and he feeds them. He feeds 5,000, and he feeds more than that. We just know that one story. He, he cares for their physical bodies. But not only that, we constantly see him heal people's physical bodies. We're like, I can't walk. He's not like, well, I'm not going to do anything about that, but I'm going to make your spiritual life walk. They're like, I don't know what that means. I just really want to walk with my legs, with your spiritual legs, right? No. He takes care of their physical needs. God cares for our physical bodies, okay? And some believe, some believe that this is referring to the bread of life mentioned in John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So if this is what we're praying, when we're asking for our daily bread, then what we're asking for is our daily dose of Jesus, Jesus, I need my daily bread. I need the bread of life today. I want your bread. I want you to feed me. I want you to feed my spirit. This isn't about the physical body. I want you to feed my spirit. And, and saying this prayer is like, Lord, when I get into my Bible today, I want you to reveal yourself to me. Lord, as I worship you, I want to encounter you. I want to be at your throne. I, I want some daily bread. I need Jesus today. I need your Holy Spirit today. I need you now the bread is good, and I will take the bread. Thank you for providing for my physical body, but my spirit also needs to be fed. I hunger and I thirst for you, and I want more of you, and I'm not willing to wait for tomorrow. I want you today. I want you today and every day. So if, th if this is true, which I believe, because this, this is the way God works in, his, in the way that he reveals truth. There's a simple truth and there's a deeper truth. And the simple truth is God cares for our bodies and we need to sustenance for the day. And we are asking, sustain me today. Feed me today. But at the same time, we are praying, Lord, feed my spirit today. Draw me closer today. Reveal yourself today. I need some Jesus today. Provide for the physical and the spiritual. Feed all of me today. And this also puts God in his rightful place. Everything I need comes from you. 
Everything I have comes from you. I am trusting in you for my physical and my spiritual sustenance with all of me. I need you and only you. He then prays, and this is where it gets kind of like, maybe, maybe the translation wrong is wrong. It says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And this is the part of the prayer where everyone was like, amen, amen. What did he just say? As we have forgiven our debtors. And it actually ties in directly when Jesus finishes this prayer and says, amen. He, it obviously needs further explanation because he says, amen. And then he says, for if you give, forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you for, do not forgive each others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And that funny? He knew it was going to be hard. Because like the minute he's like, amen, let me explain what I said, just so you can make sure that you, that you get this. Maybe there was some murmuring in the crowd, but Jesus makes it clear. No, what you heard is what I meant. And we'll see, and I can't talk about it today because I won't have anything to talk about later. But he actually has several parables to define for us what it means to forgive. What does it mean to forgive as we forgive others? It almost seems like we're kind of praying a curse over ourselves. Right? I mean, if, we're not, if we don't forgive others. Forgive me, Lord, as I forgave him. And when you pray that prayer, it, it, you're like, no, I want better forgiveness than that. God, I don't want you to hold it against me like I've like, forgiven him, but I'm still holding it against them. I want true forgiveness. And this might be, be the most important part to pray that is a follow-up to let your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we can't bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God can't be in our midst when we have so much unforgiveness for people. But the, the, and that's what it's talking about. These debts, are talk, as we forgive our debtors, we're talking about people who owe us money, right? We're talking about people who have sinned against us. And there are several different words the Bible uses when talking about sin. And they have several different meanings. Um, there's hamartia, which means missing the target. When you sin, you, you shot at the target, but you missed it. There's parabus, which means stepping across. You stepped across the line as if from the wrong side to the right side. Okay, the other one is paraptoma, which means slipping across. You slipped across the line. You didn't step. You just like, whoa, you just kind of ended up on the other side. And there's anomia, which means lawlessness. A person who knows what is right and yet does what is wrong. And then there is a philema, and this is the word used here, which means a debt, a failure to pay that which is due. A failure to pay that which is due. And when we look at all these different ways to sin, stepping across intentionally, slipping across, knowing what is right and yet doing what is wrong, shooting for, for what God wants yet, just missing a little bit. When we think of that all being sin, then we have to admit to ourselves we are all sinners, even if we're just missed the target sinners, right? We can like categorize ourselves. I'm just a miss the target sinner, okay? <laughs> right? Like, how can we be forgiven of a debt if we're all sinners? We're forgiven of a debt that we cannot pay. And how can we be forgiven of a debt we cannot pay and then demand payment from someone else who cannot pay? or is unwilling to pay. 
And they're like, I can't make things right. I'm like, we could. But we want God to forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. And part of this prayer, that part of prayer kind of makes us examine, am I a hypocrite? Am I a hypocrite? And like, to be honest, when it comes to this forgiveness thing, we all are. A little bit. Except me. No, I'm just kidding. I am too. I am too. We all have difficulty with forgiveness. But then if you pray this prayer, this model that Jesus gave us, man, you have to look in the mirror a little bit and say, do I truly want God to forgive me as I've forgiven others? Because that, it isn't, it's not up to what I want. That's what he says he's going to do. And so when we are, pray this prayer, we are reminded of the grace given us. And when we are reminded of the grace given to us, how can we not show grace to someone who owes us a much smaller debt? And then he prays, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this one might seem a little strange. Why would God lead us into temptation? That seems a little like, Lord, I knew you were going to lead me in temptation. Let's not do that today. Please don't lead me where you wanted to lead me. Right? And that, that's not what it means. But why would we ask God not to lead us into sin? Especially when we know from James 1.13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So the idea in this part of the prayer is, Lord, lead me in the way that I am to go. Show me the way that I am to go. May I honor you in everything that I do today. But this word that's interpreted temptation can also be interpreted testing. And we will all be tested. We have sins in our life that God is going to help us leave behind us. The enemy tempts us. He comes to take us away from God, and he can tempt us in many ways. He can tempt us outwardly. He can tempt us inwardly. He can tempt us by using people that actually mean us harm. He can tempt us by people that don't really intend harm for us, or they don't even realize they're enticing us into sin. They may even love us and think it's what's best for us. They just don't know what the best is. And he can also tempt us from our own evil desires, our own struggles that we deal with. And God will give us victory over these things, but we will be tested. We will be tested, but not tempted by God. The devil tempts to pull us away. God tests to pull us closer. We have to be tested to move on in our walk. In all things, we are tested. In all things, and we hate it. No one likes it. But to, to move on in school, to move on to the next concept, you have to grasp this concept, right? That's why there's deeper truths. You have to grasp what is explained to you here and prove that you understand it so that you can then stack on more knowledge on top of that. Okay, we're building on a foundation of our faith and it must be built correctly. You will be tested. To learn deeper truths, we have to understand simple truths. Anyone who, who wants to learn a greater skill knows that you have to be tested. And so here, when we're praying this, we're asking God, help me to discern between temptation and testing. Help me to discern between temptation and testing. 
Because with testing, that comes from God. It is designed for our good. And God knows when we are ready to take the test. God, see the temptation is bringing something before you that you cannot handle, that you are enticed by and putting it right in your face so that you fail. God knows when you are ready to pass the test. He doesn't put a test before us that we are not capable of passing. He doesn't put something before us that we are not capable of passing. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So when the devil attacks and tries to tempt us, God won't let us be tempted beyond what we are capable of passing so that we can endure it with his help. But the devil tempts us with the intention that we will fail because he wants to pull us away from God, make us fall, make us stumble. So in saying this prayer, we are praying, Lord, protect us from the evil one's temptations. You know the desires of my heart. Please keep me away from what I cannot handle at this time. And in doing this, we're actually praying in line with the will of God, because that's what he said we'll do. And we're saying, Lord, keep me in line with that. May I not go off into a temptation. May I not step across the line and put myself in a place where the devil can tempt me so that I will fail. We're again submitting everything to the will of God. In all these things, we are praying the will of God. Jesus is teaching us how to pray the will of God. Because Jesus would never pray anything opposed to the will of God. And we need to get used to praying the will of God, not our will. If we truly want, I mean, Christians all the time, man, I want to see, I want to see uh, God's kingdom come to earth, right? I want to see people saved. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see the people healed. Are we beginning this, this thing that we want so badly by praying the will of God, by seeking the will of God? Or are we trying to bring these things about in our own way? Because that is not building the kingdom of God. We have to build the kingdom of God by his will. We need to become accustomed to praying like this so that we're putting God first and our needs second. So that we're praying for our spiritual needs, so that we're praying for our physical needs, so that we're praying that we might forgive those who trespass against us and that we might follow him closely. That's what we're praying in all these things, we are declaring, for in your will is the kingdom. In your will is the power. And in your will is the glory forever. Let it be so. That's how it finishes. And it's missing in the NIV. I didn't, I didn't like that. Because when he's finished up saying your will, praying your will, your will coming to pass is what is the kingdom. Your will brings the power and in your will is the glory. When we give you glory and we let you do what you want to do and we act, secondly, we treat you as king on the throne and we live by your standard and we pray on our knees, praying for your will to be done. Let your kingdom come. Guide me, provide for me. Give me my daily dose of Jesus. Help me walk through this day, man. Are you praying this prayer in the morning? Because if you're praying this prayer in the morning, it's going to set you your mind right to how to go about your day when you are tempted, 
when people trespass against you because it happens all the time. This gets your mind right and saying everything is about you. And when it's all about you, your will is going to be done. Your kingdom is going to come. Bring your kingdom today. May I feel it in my midst. Bring your power today because in your will, not in my will, when you, when you are working, that's when there's power. When God is working, that's when there's glory. It's about what he wants. It's about what he does. And we're saying as Christians, as followers of Christ, I am in agreement with Jesus and I'm in agreement with you that your will would be done. Bring the power, bring the glory. I want to see it on earth. Are we praying like that? Because we're going to pray it today. We're going to pray it today. We've learned how to pray and as a church, we are going to pray. And every single person is going to come up here and say that prayer. I'm just kidding. We're not there yet. But we'll get there. Daisy, come up here. Daisy's going to pray the prayer. Yeah, you're first. Of course, babe. That's my love for you. When you first writes. All right, Daisy's, Daisy's, you can turn the lights on. Everyone likes praying in the dark a little better. Let's, as a church, let's pray the will of God. Let's pray the will of God. Let's pray that his kingdom would come. Let's give him the glory for who he is. Let's begin our prayers. Our Father. Our Father. I'm going to say the prayer again to, to guide us in case you've forgotten. And I just want to be in agreement as a church and pray the will of God. What would happen if the entire church and all the world was praying the will of God? Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be holy on our lips. May we treat you with the holiness that is your due. May we fall at your feet. May we give you all glory and all praise and all power. May we acknowledge your dominion over all the earth. Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, that your will would be done on earth just like it is in heaven, Lord. Let heaven come to earth. Let heaven come to earth, Lord. May we truly be your people here on earth as we will be in heaven, not waiting where I will be made perfect in heaven. Lord, I just pray that you would give us our daily bread, that you would provide for all our needs according to your riches and glory, Lord. I just pray that we would see you in our lives daily, that we would hear your voice daily, that your spirit would guide us daily, and that we would listen daily, that we would be led by you daily, that we would depend on you daily, that we would do what it says in your word and not worry about tomorrow and trust that you will care for our every need, physical and spiritual. We acknowledge that you are our provider and everything comes for you. And Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us.
And if you have someone you need to forgive, do it now. And if it's hard and you can't, which is understandable, begin to pray the will of God harder. Lord, it's not my will. It's not my will to forgive that person. It is not my will. I do not want to. I want justice. I want justice. I want things to be fair. But that's my will. Lord, I want your will to be done. Lord, let your will be done in our hearts, Lord. Teach us to forgive. Teach us to forgive. Help us to forgive as you have forgiven us, Lord. We are all sinners. We miss the mark. We step over the line. We slip across the line. We are all sinners. We all need your grace, Lord. Please, please help us to show grace to those around us who need to know your grace, Lord. Who need to know your grace, Lord. What saved my life was knowing your grace. Knowing your grace for the first time. Knowing your love for the first time, Lord. And I just know that there are people out there that need to be forgiven so that they can understand your grace and understand your love, Lord. Bring your kingdom to earth. Let your will be done in our hearts. Help us to forgive and show the love and the grace that won our hearts. Win our hearts again, Lord, that we may win the hearts of others by showing them your love and your grace. And not our will, not our will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Lord, lead us not into temptation, Lord. Show us the way in which we are to go, Lord. As a church, as individuals, Lord. Help us to resist the temptations of the enemy, Lord. Show us when we're being tested. Give us discernment. Help us to move on in our walk with you and not be satisfied with the simple truths and not be satisfied where we are, but want the testing so that we can move closer, that we can put that sin behind us, that we can show that sin has no power over a Christian. Sin has no power over us. Death has no power over us because you are the kingdom. You are the power. You are the glory. And we acknowledge it, Lord, forever and ever and ever. Yours be the kingdom. Lord, you have the power and all glory and honor is yours, Lord. And I just pray that our prayer life, Lord, that you would just light up our prayer life to where we are praying that your kingdom would come, that we would see your power, that we would see your glory, and that everything that transpires on this earth, Lord, that when good things, that we can give you glory for it, that we can acknowledge your power, that we can acknowledge when you give us our daily bread, that we can be grateful for our daily spiritual growth, Lord. May our hearts just desire you. May our hearts desire you. And Lord, as you feed us, as you feed our spirits, as you show us your grace and love, may we not hoard it all to ourselves, but like you did, Lord, may we feed the 5,000. I pray that everyone in this room would feed 5,000 people. Every single person in this room would feed 5,000 people spiritually, Lord, that a relationship with each person in this church would feed people that they know with grace and love and hope. Lord, that your kingdom would come to earth, Lord. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just multiply. Multiply our prayers. Multiply our love. 
Multiply the grace that we show others, Lord, that each person here could feed 5,000. You said we would do greater things than these. May we do greater things, Lord. And the only way that's going to happen, Lord, is if our hearts and minds are set on you. May our hearts and our minds be set on you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about The Well and other resources to help you study the Bible, go to thewellministry.co.